believe our God is a miracle worker? Do you believe our God never stops working? Do you believe He's working in the lives of the 412 people? Names of husbands, dads, moms, wives, sons, daughters, siblings, family, men, women, boys, and girls, 412 people that, that you a couple of weeks ago texted in, say you're praying that God will grant them repentance. Do you believe God is working to turn their lives around? Do you believe that? Do you believe our God is a way maker, making a way for their lives to be turned around? Absolutely we do, Lord. We believe, we believe, we believe. Second Timothy chapter number 4, verses 1 through 5 is our text this morning as we think about the work that God has called us to. You know, uh, three weeks ago on Sunday, I, I challenged you to do that, to text in the name, if you're watching at home, or uh, to text in the name of, hey, send us the name of somebody. You're praying God will grant them repentance. And initially, we got 290 names. Praise the Lord. Well, last Sunday, that worship service on May 24th aired on television for the first time. Of course, our broadcast is two weeks delayed on TV, on the CW. And so it was on TV. And last week, Wes's phone was blowing up because we had people watching on television that saw that challenge. And they texted in names of people they're praying for. So we got an additional 122 names. So we're up to 412 names of people. And here's the thing about these people. These aren't random people. These are people that you already know, that you already have a relationship with, that you already love, that you're already praying for. Yes, that's a lot of work. 412 people coming to Christ or repenting or turning their life around. That's a lot of work. That's a lot of gospel conversations. I get that. That's a lot of work. But Jesus said as much in Matthew 9. Jesus said to his disciples, hey, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. So pray to the Lord of the harvest, right, to send out laborers into the harvest. In other words, Jesus is saying the work is plentiful. The workers are few. So pray to the Lord of the work to send out workers into the work. And so today I want to talk to you on the subject, even you can do the work of an evangelist. Even you and even me and even us, we can do the work of of an evangelist. 2 Timothy chapter number 4 verses 1 through verse 5. I'm going to read all five verses. You join us. Follow along as I read 2 Timothy beginning with verse number 1 in chapter number 4. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus. So I love how Paul puts Christ Jesus on the same plane as God saying, hey, God, Jesus and the Father are one. Like Jesus is 100% man and 100% God. So I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead. All authority has been given to Jesus to judge. He is the judge that would judge the living and the dead. And by his appearing and his kingdom. Pre I love this charge. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As 
for you. Always be sober-minded. Endure suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. God, we are so grateful for your word today. Your word is alive. It's, it's living. And Lord, it is sharper than any two-edged sword. I pray like a surgeon about to perform surgery with a scalpel that Holy Spirit, you would take this word and divide what needs to be divided that you would unite what needs to be united, that you would convict where we need conviction and encourage where we need encouragement and challenge and charge us today. Shape us and mold us more into the likeness of Jesus. It's in his name we pray and all God's people said, amen. So today, if you would just sum up the sermon in a sentence, it'd be this, right out of verse 5, do the work of an evangelist. That's it. Do the work of an evangelist. So what I want to do for our next remaining minutes together is I want to look at nine don'ts that we've all done rather than doing the work of an evangelist. So here's nine don'ts that we need to uh, stop doing in order to do the work of an evangelist. Number one, don't depart from the work of an evangelist. Do the work of an evangelist. Don't depart from it. Right, So here, here's what Paul understands the situation in Ephesus. It's a situation where there's false teachers that have come in. They're teaching these, these false doctrine and false truths. And people are having their ears tickled and wandering off into these myths. And Paul says, wait a minute. As for you, Timothy, as for you, so you don't depart from this. You don't wander off into these myths. You don't depart from doing the work. In other words, he's saying, Timothy, look, we've been set apart. We have been made different for the purpose of calling people to call on Jesus who makes all the difference. So church, just like Timothy, we cannot afford to be indifferent toward our calling to be different and to call people to call on Jesus who makes all the difference. We cannot be indifferent about that calling. We must not be indifferent about that calling. And so Paul has some parting words for Timothy. If you look at verse 6, Timothy is about to hear Paul say, for the time of my departure has come. For I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. I'm about to be away from the body and present with the Lord. He's about to really discover that to, that, that, uh, to live as Christ and to die is gain. Paul's about to have that gain. We don't know if he's got days left, if he's got weeks left, if he's got months left. But he's at the end of his life. He's about to be martyred for the faith. He knows that. And so he knows Timothy has more time here on this earth. And so he has some departing words for Timothy. And these parting words for Timothy are very strong with force. Nine imperatives in five verses from verse 1 through 5. There's nine imperatives. And Paul understands that Timothy needs to be charged to finish the race, fight the good fight. And to keep the faith. So he's charging him. As for you. As for you. As for you. You know Paul is saying look. We're not going to drift into doing the work of an evangelist. But we must not depart from it either. It's not natural. Right? It doesn't, it, it doesn't feel natural. Like we're not, we're, not all, we're not all gifted to be evangelists. 
right? We don't all have the gift of, of, of being an evangelist. God has made some to be evangelists, but not all of us. But the work of an evangelist is not a gift. It's a work that we must do. And as for Timothy, he says it's time to do this work. I read an advertisement the other day. It says you don't have to pack. You don't have to deal with security lines. You don't have to face delayed departures in airports in order to show your vacation pics on social media. This company is called Fake a Vacation. Just fake it. Fake a Vacation is a company offering to bolster your social media pages with expertly faked photos of vacations you've never taken. Here's, here's, their, here's their, their, their line ad line it reads this way make your friends envious of where you weren't and have them thinking of being where you aren't fake a vacation is a perfect meme for bragging to your friends why why would they even do this well they polled some folks and half of them have confessed that they faked a vacation sadly none of us really probably most of us don't have to fake taking a vacation from doing the work of an evangelist most of us are on an extended vacation from doing this work. But let me help you understand something. We no longer can just be on vacation from doing the work of an evangelist because the eternal destination of each one of these individuals, each one of these names that you texted in, every one of them, every one of their eternal destination hangs in the balance from Keller to Chip to Mark, Ronnie, Pat, Jan, JJ, Howard, Eddie, Mike, Isaiah, Judy, Justin, and Debbie, from Jen, Al, Jesus, David, Justin, Josh, Karen, Zach, Chris, Kim, Sandy, John, Mark, and Carl. Their eternal destination is hanging in the balance for Jackson, Kyle, Ryan, Jordan, Christopher, Kendra, Rhonda, Jennifer, Faye, Raymond, Jeffrey, Charles, Roby, Willa May, and Trish. We cannot afford to continue to be on vacation from doing the work of an evangelist because their eternal destination hangs in the balance. Number two, don't dodge the work of an evangelist. Paul says, as for you, Timothy, look at the you. The you is a personal pronoun. Pay attention to pronouns. It's singular. It's talking to Timothy. As for you, Timothy, you do not dodge this work. You do the work. It's your responsibility to do the work, Timothy. Now, it's not my responsibility to do all the work of an evangelist here at this church. It's my, it's my responsibility to lead the way, but you are responsible for doing the work of an evangelist. That's what you're responsible for, and I'm responsible for, and we are responsible for. So don't dodge the work. Let's not try to think of why and how we should dodge the work. Let's think about how and why we should do the work. See, dodgeball is fun. Anybody like dodgeball? You like dodgeball at home? If you do, put a thumbs up on our chat if you, if you enjoy dodgeball at home, right? If you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball, right? You like dodgeball, but, and dodgeball's fun. But dodging the work of an evangelist is fatal. It's fatal. Our first church, first church I pastored, Bonner Creek Baptist Church, show up first Sunday was almost my last Sunday. The one deacon in the 10-member church walked up and kissed Tanya, just kissed her. I wanted to knock his lights out. And then I look around, and everybody's greeting one another with a kiss. So in southeast Louisiana, that's what you do. You greet one another with a kiss. Well, we are going to dodge the holy kiss here at Red Bank and the Point Church. We're dodging the holy kiss. Just dodge that all together. But we mustn't. We cannot dodge the work of an evangelist. I think of this work as the work of heaven. If, one, if, if heaven rejoices over one sinner who repents, then I have to believe that doing the work of an evangelist is part of the work of heaven. And we need to do the work of heaven. 
Because each one of these individuals, each one of these names representing a soul and a person and a sister and a brother and a mom and a dad, each one of these names, these folks need to know how to dodge hell. And in order for that to happen, we've got to teach them and do the work of heaven for Francie and Mark and Edwina and Sudi and Corky and Dale and Reese and Janice and Leanne, Zach, Amy. Look at this, my children and my spouse. Wow. Tony and Ben and Jessica, Brandon, Heather, Pat, Donnie, Carol, mom and dad. How about that one? Gene and Preston, my family, LaShawn and Deontay. They need to know how to dodge hell. We need to tell them. We need to do the work of heaven and tell them how to dodge hell. For Mike and Jade and Isis and Alicia and Melissa and Travis and Johnny and Krista and Kevin and Tony and Cody and Kelly and Manish and Kim and Dorothy, Robert and Sarah, they need to know how to dodge hell. So we've got to do the work of heaven. Number three, don't dabble in the work of an evangelist. This is important to see the words that Paul uses here. Remember last week, we said all scriptures breathed out by God. You remember that? All scripture. That means that all scripture matters to God. Every word, including this word, always. Now, whether you're at home worshiping with us online or you're in this room, the word always, always means always, completely, in totality, at all times, in season and out of season. In every respect is what the word means. That we're to be about this work all the time. There's no days off. There's no vacations. There's no off season. We are called to do this work constantly. We can't dip our toe in the evangelism waters. We've got to jump in and swim around. If we want these baptismal waters stirred, we've got to be stirred by the evangelism waters and go swimming in it. We must. We cannot dabble in the work of an evangelist. Think about it like this. I'm so sad we can't have vacation Bible school this summer. Breaks my heart because of the pandemic. And that's one event that we do that's very evangelistic. We do Night of Champion that's very evangelistic. We do other events throughout the year that are evangelistic, right? But we cannot relegate the work of an evangelist to one day or event on a calendar as followers of Christ doing the work of an evangelist, it is our calendar from January to December and everywhere in between. And here's why it's so important. It's so important that we not relegate evangelism to a day on the calendar because each one of these individuals, each one of these men and women, each one of these boys and girls, there is a day appointed for them to die and then face judgment. There's a day circled on their calendar that they will die, appointed by God, Meanwhile, we've got to tell them the truth about the gospel. Ann, Gary, Abby, Dusty, Chip, Christina, Jason, Felix, Kim, Trevor, Rena, Jimmy, John, and Randy, Lynn, Allison, Terry, Shane, Jim, Wanda, Bobby, Haley, Trinity, Justin, Kaylee, Caitlin, Sissy, and Anthony, they have a day circled on their calendar appointed for them to die and then face judgment. For John, Brooke, Michael, Karen, Rachel, Robert, Julia, Tina, Mark, Debbie, Lana, uh, Herschel, Betsy, Don, Amy, Gary, and Cody, there's a day circled that they'll die and face judgment. We, we've got to do the work. The work must be done, and God's called us to do it. Number four, don't be distracted from the work of an evangelist. Paul uses a word here, be sober-minded in verse five. Be sober-minded. I like that word. It means to be calm and collected, like be immovable, like be unwavering, right? Be steadfast. Be sober-minded. 
In other words, in verse 3 and 4, there's a lot happening. There are people getting their ears tickled, and they're wandering off into myths, and they're bouncing from one doctrinal fad to the other. They're not being sober-minded. They're all over the place. So whether you're blonde-headed, red-headed, white-headed, bald-headed, or everything in between-headed, don't be arrow-headed. Don't, don't just strive to get ahead, right? Don't be, don't be bobble-headed, bouncing from one doctrinal fad to the other. Don't be co-headed, thinking you and Jesus share the headship of the church. There's only one head of the church. It's not you. It's not me. It's Jesus. So stop trying to be co-headed, thinking you share that headship with Jesus. Don't be empty-headed, giving in to irreverent babble, as Paul talks about earlier in this letter. Uh, don't be fat-headed and big-headed and puffed up with pride. Don't be hot-headed, responding in sinful anger rather than gentleness. Don't be sour-headed or sore-headed and, 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 and woe-is-me, pitiful-o-me attitude. Uh, d- don't be sick-headed with a mind filled with immorality. Be like John the Baptist. Now, I know he was beheaded. I don't want you to be beheaded, right? But be like John the Baptist. Though he was beheaded, he was level-headed. He pointed people to the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So being sober-minded is being level-headed. Paul is saying, Timothy, don't freak out. Don't panic. Be calm and collected. Be level-headed. I know pointing 412 people to Jesus, that is a lot of work. But there is no more important work on planet Earth than pointing these men and women to the Lord Jesus. There is no more work more important. Why? Because Jesus is worthy and each one of them is worth it. Garrett's worth it. Julia is worth it. Kevin Curtis Garrett, look at this, my son. Jason, John, Bob, Janet, Peyton, Billy, Gina, Bob, they're worth it. Jesus is worthy and they're worth it. Cheryl, Ed, Lowen, Bryson, Robin, Eli, Kylie, April, Jake, Keith, Nathan, Maria, Brandon, Anthony, Gillian, Trinity, Curtis, Zach, Nick, Linda, Bobby, Travis, Taylor, Stephen, Robert, Rachel, Liam, Max. They're worth it. Listen, their, their souls matter. Their souls matter. Eternity matters. Their soul matters. They're worth it. And the Lord Jesus is worthy of Mallory, Sandy, and Fred surrendering to him and worshiping him. So we cannot stop doing this work. We must not dabble in it. We must not be distracted from it. We must do this work. Number five, don't delay the work of an evangelist. You do realize the only people that can delay the Great Commission is the church, right? Like the gates of hell cannot stop the gospel. The gates of hell cannot delay the Great Commission. Only you and I and our disobedience can delay it. Don't delay the work of an evangelist. Paul says it this way in verse 5, endure suffering. He doesn't say avoid suffering. (laughs) He says endure it. Everyone who desires to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So endure the suffering. It's coming. So endure it. Think about it like this. I know that... (laughs) Everything offends somebody, and everyone's offended by something. I know that. We know that. You and I both know that. But Jesus has all authority over you and me and everybody we're going to share with. He has all authority. Randy Davis said it like this. I'm not worried about the day when we can't share the gospel. I'm worried about today when we won't share the gospel. Don't delay it. Do it. Paul didn't have something to say about suffering. Or he didn't have to say something about suffering. He had something to say. And if you think about Jesus, 
and him enduring suffering. Hebrews tells us that Jesus endured the cross like the ultimate suffering. He endured that, despising its shame, and is seated at the right hand of God. That means he died and was buried, but the reason he's seated is because he was raised to life, like he's alive. He defeated sin, death, and the grave, and he's seated on the throne. He would never ask you to do anything that he has not already done. Now, we could never live the life Jesus lived. Nobody can. But we are to join him in his suffering for the gospel. Paul says, I want to join him in his suffering and hope that I can join him in the resurrection. That's our hope. So endure. Don't delay this work. I know we're all disappointed. I know that. 2020 has been very disappointing. I get that. I mean, Paul has these parting words for Timothy. You and I both know this. I mean, we probably have some parting words for the year 2020, don't we? Like, hey, get out of here. You've done enough. Thank you. Let's move on. Fly. Listen, I read the other day, they've discovered three new spiders that fly. Like a flying spider. Escaping monkeys. I mean, we're living in a game of Jumanji right now. Yeah, 2020. We got some words for 2020. Get out of here. Like, that's enough. But Paul's parting words to Timothy are, hey, be sober-minded. Endure suffering. Do this work of an evangelist. I mean, we're all disappointed. It's been a disappointing year. But we cannot let our growing disappointment delay us from having a gospel appointment with Pam and David and Alicia and Dalton and Willow and even Mac, Judy, Kate, Laura, Jace, Erica, Sarah, Trevor, Mitch, Linda, Frank, Joe, Eddie, Michael, Justin, Lee, Callie, Amanda, Emma, Leaf, Deanna, and Deborah. We cannot let our growing disappointments cause us to delay a gospel appointment with Wendy and Don and Aline and Kelly and Sean and Chris and Mark and Rusty and Ken and Shannon and Preston and Ricky and Carol and Misty and Wes and John and Jennifer. We've got to do the work. Let's stop delaying it and do it. Number six. Don't disobey the work of an evangelist. Look at verse 5 again. We see the phrase, do the work. See the word work? We're to do it. We're not to disobey it. Paul was not disobedient to the work. He told that to King Agrippa in Acts 26. Paul, who wrote this letter, said, we read about it in Acts 26, that standing before King Agrippa, he said, I was not disobedient to this heavenly vision. For I went and declared first to those in Damascus and in Jerusalem and in the region of Judea, and to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God. So Paul didn't disobey this work, nor should we. We're not called to disobey it. We're called to do it. I read that some of our astronauts in outer space that are there now, and those that have traveled through the years, they they talk about Las Vegas, that they take pictures from space of the earth, and they see this one little area that's just lit up. Apparently, Vegas has more lights per square mile than any city on this planet. And from outer space, it seems that what stays or what happens in Vegas doesn't stay there. Right? Doesn't stay there because the light just shines. In the darkest, uh, in, in the darkest moments, they said they can see the lights of Las Vegas. Listen, I know we're in a dark world. We're in a very disappointing, discouraging time. I know this is darkness, darkness, darkness. But we're the light of the world. In Christ, we are the light. And we are to take this light of the gospel and shine it as far as we can shine it. We cannot disobey this work of an evangelist. We need to be the light of the world. 
We need to be the light of the world in the world of each one of these individuals. Each one of these individuals needs somebody to be the light of the world in their world. In Natalie's world, in Charles' world, in Allison and Rick, and Pedro and Frank, and Mark and Will and Adam and Richard and Emily and Jim and Mike and Sean, they need somebody to shine the light of the world in their world. Brian and Daniel and John and Faith and Robert and Sean and Josh and Chris, Mike, John, Aaron, David, Deanne, Deanne and Deshaun. For Eben and Jamel and Lydia and Garima and Manessa and Gail and Tim and Rosemary, Nathan, Amanda, David and Sarah, Kate, Jenny, Sean, John and Tiffany. They need somebody to shine the light of the world in their world. So let's stop disobeying the work and do it. Number seven. Don't do away with the work of an evangelist. Look at verse 5 again. It says, do the work. Paul doesn't say, okay, Timothy, when it gets hard, when there's a pandemic, when there's civil unrest, when racism is rampant, when, when, when riots are happening, when the world's upside down and you don't have to do this work anymore, if things get hard or they get tough and they're not easy and people aren't listening, just don't do this work. No, the charges do the work. There are, there are no qualifiers here that you can do it as long as this doesn't happen and then you don't have to do it anymore. No, let's do the work. This is what we're calling. Remember, these are Paul's last words. The, the last chapter he wrote, the last chapter Paul wrote, in the last letter he wrote, he's telling Timothy, you do this work of an evangelist. I was reading uh, last week about in the 19th century during the Industrial Revolution, alarm clocks were not very reliable and they were very expensive. So the average family had to rely on what they called door knockers to go around early in the morning and beat on the door to wake dads and husbands up to go to work in the Industrial Revolution. Because if they missed work, if they, were, uh, if, if they were late for work, they would be fired immediately in that time, in that cutthroat world of the Industrial Revolution. And that could mean life or death for their family. Their families could starve if they did not have that work. So they had these door knockers that would go around and knock on the door. So there was a time when people were awakened by real people, not just Siri and Alexa and Google Assistant, like there were people who woke people up. What a novel idea. God still uses that formula. After a hundred years, the door knockers went away because alarm clocks got more reliable and more affordable. But today, God uses the same formula he did 2,000 years ago. He uses people like you and like me as instruments and vessels to take the gospel to our friends, to our families, to these 412 people we already know. God has called us to take this gospel to them. These individuals on this screen, they don't need to be woke to the culture. They need to be awakened to the gospel. And somebody's got to tell them. Somebody's got to sound the alarm of the gospel for Jonathan and Cameron and Paulo and Brian and Sam and Creston and Justin, Andrew, Angela, Ryan and family, Mandy, Dave and Kara. Somebody's got to sound the alarm of the gospel for Charlotte and Dean and Lachlan and Mary Ellen and Varel and Marty and Evan and Bryson and Catherine and Billy and Chris and Seth, James and Diane, James, Libba, Karen, Robin, Eli, Kaylee, Amanda, Olivia, Rick, Stephen, Kylie, Dean, Michaela, Jacob and Robert, depending on somebody to sound the alarm of the gospel. Why can't it be you? Number eight, don't debate the work of an evangelist. Don't debate the work. I love the word here, evangelist. It means the announcer 
the proclaimer of good news. That's all that word means. One who announces good news. Right? So we're all called to do that. We're all called to announce and proclaim good news. My heavens, you're not going to find any on the news, are you? No, you're not. So we're called to proclaim and announce this good news. We're not called to debate the work of an evangelist. We're not called to do the work of a Calvinist or an Arminianist. We're not called to decide whether we choose God or God chooses us. If you ask a Jewish Christian, do we choose God or does God choose us? He or she will tell you, yes, both and. So we're not called to debate that. We're called to do the work of an evangelist. Oswald Smith says, we talk about the second coming, but half the world has never heard about the first coming. Vance Havner said we're too occupied with right and left, conservative and liberal, Democrat and Republican, when we should be occupied with above and below, heaven and hell. It's time to stop arguing about the gospel. It's time to start agreeing to share the gospel with every individual, from Amy to Kim to Kelly to Daniel, from Matthew, Jonathan, Bridget, Michael, Ray, Laura, Melissa, Amanda, Jack, Bobby, Kaylee, Valerie, Brent, uh, to uh, Gail and Ashley and Jerry and Jason and Cana and Ethan and Hannity and Jake and Tyler and Jack and Nelson, Andy and Amanda. It's time to agree to start sharing the gospel with Tony and Laurel and Monique and Audrey and Frank and Aaron and Donna and Tina, Brandy, Brooke, Bob, Carl, Josh and Mark. Each one of these individuals represents a soul created and made in the image of God Almighty himself who needs you to share with them the truth of the gospel. Stop debating it. Stop arguing about it and start agreeing to share the gospel. Number nine, don't desert the work of an evangelist. Last one, don't desert this work, but do it. The end of this verse says, fulfill your ministry. I love how he begins and he ends. I love the personal pronouns, you and your. As for you and fulfill your ministry. These personal pronouns, singular personal pronouns. Timothy, this is your responsibility. Church, this is your responsibility to do this Work. I love the idea of, of Phillips Brooks has a definition for preaching and for sharing our faith. Truth through personality. I love that. Truth never changes. It's always the same. But no two personalities are ever the same. So God has gifted you in a way that he wants you to take your personality and share the truth with your family and with your friends. Do the work. Fulfill your ministry. Don't find another ministry. Fulfill yours. Don't do somebody else's. Fulfill yours. You have plenty to do. Why is it so important, Pastor, that I do this? Listen to what J.C. Ryle said. He said, a time is coming when many will repent too late. Believe too late. Have sorrow for sin too late. Begin to pray too late. Myriads shall wake up in another world and believe uh, and be convinced of the truth which on earth they refuse to believe. And, and then he finishes with this. He says, hail is nothing but truth known too late, end quote. We mustn't desert the work of an evangelist. We don't want the truth to be known too late by each one of these men and women, boys and girls. We don't want the truth to be known too late. Look at these two, by my brothers and my sisters. You know, when I read this one, my heart just sank. It immediately went to Luke 16 where you have this parable of the rich man and Lazarus. Lazarus dies and he's at Abraham's side in heaven. The rich man dies at the same time and he's in hell in torment. And he looks up 
to Abraham's side. He sees Lazarus, and he says to Abraham, Abraham, could you send Lazarus to my brothers? Could you send Lazarus to my brothers? I don't want them to come to this place of torment. Like it was truth for the rich man known too late. And he didn't want that for his brothers. Do you understand how long eternity is? And how awful hell really is? And each one of these names are hanging in the back. Each one of these individuals, each one of these souls, from my brothers, my sister Susie, Simon, Molly, Mike, Shelby, Angela, Michael, Jack, Andrew, Billy, Paul, Trent, Lisa, J.B., Kim, David, Chris, Mitchell, Amanda, Vera, Christy, Benny, Megan, Tarek, and Charlotte, they need to know the truth. That They need to know the truth before it's too late. Rhonda and Charles and Emma and Erica, Mike, Roscoe, Sabrina, Robert, Sandy, John, Travis, Brian, Haley, Judy, Lonnie, Tyler, Karen, John, and Rob need to know the truth before it's too late. So do the work. Do, it's work. Yes, it is work. Is it worth it? Absolutely. Jesus is worthy in every one of those names. All 412 of them are worth it. So do the work of an evangelist. Why, Pastor? Why should we do this work? Here's why we do this work. Because Jesus alone has authority on earth to forgive sin. That's why we do this work. Because he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. This is why we do this work. We do this work because if anyone confesses with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believes in their heart that God raised him from the dead, they shall be saved. We do this work because we've been delivered from the domain of darkness and transferred to the kingdom of His beloved Son. We do this work because everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We do this work because faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word of Christ. We do this work because God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. We do this work because the Bible tells us how then will they call on the one that they have not believed and how are they to believe in him and whom they have not heard and how are they to hear unless someone preaches to them and how are they to preach unless they're sent as it is written how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news we do this work because Jesus said I'm the bread of life I'm the door of the sheep I'm the, 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 the good shepherd. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He said, I'm the resurrection and the life. He said, I'm the true vine. We do this work because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We, we do this work because Jesus, the King of the Jews, has written on his thigh, King of kings and Lord of lords. We do this work because Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We do this work because just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. We do this work because there is one mediator between God and men, the 
man, Christ Jesus. We do this work because nothing in all creation can separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord. We do this work because God desires none should perish, but that all should reach repentance. We do this work because God has qualified us uh, to be, to share the inheritance with the saints in light. We do this work because there's more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who comes to repentance than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. We do this work because Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. We do this work because Jesus, he himself, bore our sin in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. We do this work because our God is a way maker, making a way that although the wages of sin is death, the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Church, even you can do the work of an evangelist. Let's do the work, church.